West Bowles, good morning. Thank you for tuning in with us. You know, if there's one thing that you and I and every single one of us has in common right now, it's this, that we're all reacting to right now. We've all entered some sort of a survival mode, trying to keep our head above the water as we look at what's going on in front of us. I mean, isn't it true that you have bought far more toilet paper than you need? I mean, some of it is actually going to expire and spoil and crumble to dust before you ever need it. Others, you've always had a home office that you refer to, but now you actually, you go to, you use it, you need it. And if, if you don't have that or haven't had that, you likely have a printer on your kitchen counter now, don't you? Or maybe you have a mental forecast of how the coming weeks and months and years are going to play out as a result of what's going on in front of us. Or, or there's even our government. They have poured trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy based on what they think is going to happen. See, at every single level, we're all reacting to right now. And right now, in a real way, it has exposed us. You've perhaps heard of stress tests. A stress test is when a load is placed on something in order to determine its stability and its reliability. And so you have a stress test for the heart, the human heart. There are stress tests for software. There are stress tests and load limits placed on, on buildings. And all of it is meant to expose us. It's meant to expose the limitations of something. And this crisis, in a real way, is exposing our limitations, our fears, our anxieties, our doubts, but it's also exposing our priorities. And our natural human condition is to prioritize ourselves, which is not in and of itself a bad thing, but the measures we will go to and the lengths we'll go to to protect and preserve ourselves and even our own comfort, it's often at other people's expense. And it's because we've never walked through this before. And so underneath all of this, there's something I would invite you to consider. That there's going to come a time and there's going to come a day where right now is going to be in the rear view. That is, what we're looking at real time right now, we're actually going to look back at one day. And there are two ways you can look in the rear view at the stuff in the past. The first is to be defined by it. And to be honest, that's a life full of regret. Because it's a life that's, that looks back and says, I wish I'd seen differently. I wish I had spoken differently. I wish I'd lived differently. But there's another option. There's, there's the option of looking back and being refined by what we see in the rearview mirror. Nearly 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ, nearly 30 years, his followers, the church, faced a crisis. And this time, it wasn't the death of their leader and, and our Savior Jesus on a cross. This time, it was the scattering of the church. The, the Roman Emperor Nero had given orders to hunt down, to torture, and to execute Christians wherever they were found. And God, during this time, during that crisis, decided to bring his assurance through the mouth of a man who could have so easily been defined by all of his rearview regrets. And that's often how we define Peter, follower of Jesus. But as you look at Peter's first letter to the church, as you look at what he wrote, you realize he's a man who has not been defined by his rear view 
experience and all his reactions. Instead, he's been refined by all of it. And as we read these words and as we walk through that letter over the next month, there's a message that emerges. It's as if he's saying, when right now is in the rear view, there are some things and here are some things you'll be glad you knew. And so, West Bulls, I'd invite you over the next month to join us, whether it's online or even by email, I'd invite you to join us as we look at when right now is in the rear view. Here are some things you'll be so glad you knew. And today, to start us off, our youth pastor, David Perez, is going to look at a crisis through Peter's younger eyes, and then he's going to look at this crisis through our church's younger eyes, our youth. And so I invite you to sit back and listen and engage. Good morning, West Bulls Community Church. My name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church. Thank you so much for joining us online for Youth Sunday. Uh, as you saw, we had some of the youth and youth leaders joining the worship band uh, to lead us in worship this morning. And we had one of our high school students, Hudson Gothier, giving announcements. Uh, and I know this is a little awkward, um, but they did such a good job. So why don't we just give them a hand where we're at? Just give them a nice round of applause. Um, guys, you did so great. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, I'm going to pray and then uh, we're going to hop into things. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to uh, meet online, even though we can't meet in person, Lord, to still spend some time in community, Lord, to spend some time um, reading about your word, Lord, and uh, just growing in our faith. And so this morning, Lord, I just pray that you speak through me, uh, that it may not be my words, but your words, Lord God, open ears and hearts. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, church, uh, this morning I want to address not one, but two elephants in the room. Um, the first one is, are the glasses that I wear on a daily, on a weekly basis, fake? Because obviously I'm not wearing them this morning. And the answer to that is no. No, they're not fake. They are prescription glasses. But uh, the reason I'm not wearing them today uh, is because of the glare that was coming off of them. Had I decided to put them on, all you would see this morning in the sermon is from my neck down my body and then at my head just this giant glowing orb. Uh, so we thought that'd be a little weird, a little awkward, um, and so we're, I'm not wearing my glasses. Um, I, so I am a little, little bit blind, uh, and so if you catch me looking somewhere else, it's because I think that's where the camera's at, all right? Um, elephant in the room number two. Uh, and this is if you've been watching Netflix uh, during this quarantine, uh, is did... Carol Baskin really feed her husband to the tigers? And is Joe the Tiger King ever going to get out of prison? Now, if you haven't seen the show, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it is as crazy as it sounds. Uh, in fact, there's a reason that they say that oftentimes reality is stranger than fiction, and this show proves it. So uh, we're going to spend about the next hour and a half, two hours, church, discussing this, talking about all the theories and the conspiracies. So hunker down, take a seat in your couch, grab lunch most likely, because um, we're going to be here for a while. Obviously, I'm kidding, all joking aside. Um, we're not going to talk about the Tiger King this morning, but I did want to talk about the current situation we're in, and that's the coronavirus pandemic. You know, about eight, nine weeks ago, I had a conversation with a few youth and parents um, who just reached out to me and asked, 
hey, what are the chances that this coronavirus um, impacts our summer and our summer plans? And uh, at the time, it, it hadn't really hit the states um, too much. You know, there'd been a few cases here and there, but it wasn't anything widespread. And um, from all the information coming out uh, and the, what we had learned so far, I remember going, you know what, I really don't think so. I think there's a very, very small chance that this has an impact on what we decide to do and in, in, in our summer. Well, here we are, eight, nine weeks later, and it has completely disrupted all of our plans, not just for the youth, but all of our lives, really. It's had a huge impact. And so what we can see is that every single one of us at some level has dealt with loss and uncertainty in the midst of this crisis. I was talking to one of my neighbors uh, just this past week, and his wife is a teacher. And all the lesson plans, everything she had worked to teach the kids in person has completely changed. And now she's got to redo everything and switch it to an online format. I was talking to another one of our neighbors who she's a little afraid to go back to work because of the possibility of her catching the disease, the virus. As I've talked to some of you and, and to some friends, I've talked to people who have lost their jobs or who have had to make difficult workplace decisions. And as I've looked online and, and seen some of my friends post things, I've seen that people have lost friends, family, and loved ones to the coronavirus. And so everyone, every single one of us, has been impacted, has been affected, and has at some level dealt with loss and the uncertainty. And when we talk about uncertainty, I mean, the fact that we're not able to meet in person and don't know when that's going to happen, that's huge. That's looming over all of us. I think every single one of us is wondering, when are we going to get back to work? When will we be able to meet again here together? When is life going to resume? And so this morning, I want to share a story from Scripture that is going to give us some hope in the midst of this crisis. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now let me give you a little context into this passage. So this is post-resurrection, after Jesus has risen from the dead. And so in the matter of days, Peter and all the disciples have gone through a lot. But when we look specifically at Peter's life, he's dealt with the denial of Christ and the, the guilt that came with that. Jesus dying, which to the disciples was a huge loss. I mean, they lost their friend, their teacher, and really they, they lost their, their mission. They lost who they thought was the Messiah, or at least how they thought the Messiah was going to come, because they, they thought Jesus was going to come and establish a, a political establishment and redeem Israel that way. And so when Jesus died, they lost hope. 
They thought everything they had lived for the past three years was gone. And then three days later, they experienced the joy and the awe and the craziness of the resurrection. And, and so, here they are, waiting for further instruction. Now, we also have to know that this is before the Great Commission. This is before Pentecost. And so they don't know what's next. They've seen Jesus resurrected, and they've experienced that joy. But now they're waiting. They're waiting to see what to do next. They haven't gotten their marching orders yet. And so on the heels of crisis and in the midst of uncertainty, where do we find Peter and the disciples? Fishing. Now, if you know anything about Peter, you know that before he was a disciple, he was a fisherman. That was what he did by trade. That was his life, was fishing. And so we find Peter, when all is uncertain, we find him going back to what he knew best. We find him going back to an old way of life, going back to what's comfortable. And really what that does is that speaks to our human nature. And that's that as people, in the midst of crisis and uncertainty, we seek, we pursue comfort. In other words, we, we want to go back to what was normal, to what was comfortable. That was true of Peter, and it's true of us. And, and church, if I'm being honest, I can't tell you how many times during all of this, after, after a youth group hangout or um, after having a Zoom meeting or after calling my parents and talking to them on the phone, I can't tell you how many times I've either thought or uttered the words, I just want things to go back to normal. See, in, in the midst of loss and uncertainty, we pursue comfort. That's true of all of us. And you know, as, as I thought about what was going on inside of me, as I thought about my desire, my want for what was comfortable, for normal, and as I thought about just the roller coaster that Peter and the disciples had just gone through and, and the uncertainty that they were sitting in, I couldn't help but think about our youth. You see, for, for youth, this is the first time in their life that they have come up against a worldwide, completely life-altering event. Now, I'm not saying that our youth haven't gone through hard times before, because if you sat down and had a conversation with some of our youth, you would see that a lot of them have been through some hard stuff. But this is the first time in their life they've experienced something that not only changed life entirely for them, but changed life entirely for everyone across the country and across the world. And so this has put them in a tough place. We've got youth who, because of this, are dealing with massive amounts of anxiety. Having to, to shift everything and change everything in their lives has increased the anxiety that, that they felt. And if you joined us for Youth Sunday last year, we talked about how anxiety and depression was an epidemic amongst our youth. And so for some of our youth, this crisis has just, it's increased that anxiety. It's magnified it. Not only that, but we've got youth 
who are dealing with loss. I really think about our seniors when I talk about that because this second half of the year, this semester, is a pretty big semester for those seniors with some big milestones. I mean, think back to your senior year of high school and you remember it's, it's about some of those lasts, the last prom you get with, with your friends and with someone special, the last day of school. It's about walking across that graduation stage and about celebrating with your friends and your family. It's, it's all about looking at the accomplishments and what you've done in celebration and then looking forward to the excitement that lies ahead. And for our seniors, in the blink of an eye, that's gone. That's been lost. It's not only them, but I know it's been hard for the parents and the families of those seniors. I think about the loneliness that a lot of our youth are going through right now. You know, if you think back to middle school and high school, a lot of it is about finding your place, figuring out your identity, and, and getting someone, finding some friends who know you, who love you, who care for you, finding acceptance. And so in the middle of a pandemic when we're quarantined off, all of a sudden, all of that is gone, leaving our youth loneliness, lo lonely, dealing with loneliness. And church loneliness is, I mean, if you remember those days, it's not great. It leads to higher levels of anxiety, depression. Our youth are also dealing with uncertainty, uncertainty about the future and what's next in life. I was reading an article this past week uh, from a law professor um, at, a, at a university, and her advice to incoming freshmen this year was if you're planning on going away to school, if you're wanting to go somewhere expensive or even to your dream college, don't. Don't go this year because we don't know what's going to happen in the fall. They're talking about the virus possibly coming back and, and having another uptick of it. And she's saying, chances are you're going to be online again. And we don't know what universities are going to do and how they're going to react to this and how your college experience is going to be. But it's not only them who are experiencing this uncertainty. I mean, our junior hires, our high schoolers are left wondering, what are we going to do for school next year? Is, is school going to be online again next semester? What, what do my future plans look like and, and what I was looking forward to? And so while, while this is their first major world-shifting, life-changing event, for us adults, unfortunately, this isn't the first time we've experienced something like this. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember where you were at when Columbine happened? Do you remember where you were at the morning of 9-11? Do you remember where you were at when the 2008 financial crisis hit and when your family and your community was impacted? You know, church, just even saying those things, I can remember where I was at the moment every single one of those things happened. Not only do I remember, but I remember how Life was never the same after those events. I mean, do you remember how after all that happened, everything changed? You see, for our youth, this crisis, this pandemic, is their equivalent of one of those events that we've already experienced.
It is an event, it is a crisis that has changed life for them here and now and will likely have a long-lasting impact on their lives. It's something that we will read about in textbooks. Now, just because we've experienced something on, on a large scale like this before does not mean it's any easier for you and I. Like I said earlier, I know some of us in the congregation have lost jobs. Some of us have had to make difficult work decisions. Some of us have lost friends and family members. Some of us are missing on important time with grandparents and parents. For some of you, you've, you've not only had to be mom and dad, but you've also had to be teacher. Or if you're like me at the beginning of this whole thing, you thought, man, you know what? I am going to get insanely in shape. You know, when this all started, I figured I'm going to do a lot of outside exercise. I'm going to run. And by the time this ends, I'm going to come out looking like Thor. You know, Thor from Ragnarok. Six-pack abs, giant biceps, long flowing blonde hair. And now, if you're like me, I'm, I'm coming to the realization that I'm I'm not going to look like that Thor. I'm going to look like the Thor from Infinity War who's put on like 10 to 15 pounds since before the pandemic and honestly looks like I haven't showered in about a month or so. So that's the realization I'm coming to. All joking aside, I think what we see is that this crisis has impacted and had a huge effect on everyone in our congregation, on the youngest member and on the oldest member. But there's hope. There's hope. We're going to keep reading here in John. Chapter 21, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed... They saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. So here we have Jesus comes on the scene, sees what the disciples are doing, sees that they've gone back to what's comfortable, to what's normal. And he doesn't get angry with them. He doesn't throw their failure in their face. He doesn't even reveal to them, step by step, what they're to do. And sometimes when we read that account, we think, man, if, at least I do, if I was Jesus, if that was me, I probably would point out and ask, what are you doing? Why are you going back to what's comfortable? I mean, I've, I've appeared in front of you. I'm resurrected. You might even be tempted to remind them of their failure. But 
Jesus does none of that. And you see, sometimes I think we think that God sees us and is looking down and, and looking at us and going, what are you doing? Why are you wanting normal? Or is disappointed in our failures? Or maybe you think that God expects you to have everything together and know exactly what to do next, even in the midst of uncertainty and crisis. But again, that's not what Jesus does. In fact, he does something quite differently. We're going to pick it up. We're going to read again in John 21. This time, we'll start in verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to focus in on verse 12 there. He says, Come and have breakfast. You see, Jesus, in that moment, and on the heels of what was lost, and in the midst of uncertainty, when the disciples were pursuing comfort, when they had failed at fishing, which was Peter's profession, which was what he should have been an expert at, Jesus simply meets them where they're at and invites them to have breakfast with them. You see, that same invitation is there for you and I. No matter how lost we may feel, how hopeless things seem, how great of a sin we have, what we've done wrong, or, or how we feel that we should have things mapped out, No matter what's going on in our lives, Jesus meets us right where we're at. He sits with us. I mean, isn't that the story of our God? As we look through Scripture time and time again, we see God meeting us where we are at. That's that's Jesus after all, isn't it? God became flesh and blood, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and is coming back again. He met us in the midst of our sin, right where we were at. All because he loves us, because he wants to spend an eternity with us. That's powerful. He meets us in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of the crisis, in the midst of loss and uncertainty. Right there. And here's the beauty, church. Not only does Jesus meet you right where you're at, but he also uses your circumstances, your situation, the loss, the uncertainty to mold you, to shape you, to build character in you. You see, in the midst of crisis and uncertainty, we seek, we pursue comfort. God produces character. He produces character in us. And that's not only true of us, but it's true of Peter. We're going to keep reading here. 
If we look here, verse 15, this is the reinstatement of Peter. It says this, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, Peter denied Jesus. Three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Now, he wasn't, he wasn't doing that to point Peter's failure out or to, to poke at him and say, Peter, you really messed up. He, he wasn't bringing it up just to make Peter feel bad. No, when we read that, we know that Christ was bringing that up to reinstate Peter, to redeem him. And not only that, but to prepare him for what was next, for what was to come. You see, all throughout Peter's life, all throughout his journey with Jesus, we see that God is with him. Jesus met him right where he was at. Even when Peter did, Peter, did things Peter's way, even when, when Peter denied him, even when Peter messed up, Jesus met him right where he was at. But it didn't stop there. You see, all throughout, God used Peter's circumstances. He used the loss, the uncertainty, the discomfort, the pain to build the character in Peter. And really, when we read this, this is a jumping off point in Peter's life. This is setting Peter up to go from, you know, Peter the the, the zealous, the, hey, I'm the first one, I think I've got it all right, Peter the denier, to Peter the rock, whom Christ founds his church on. And so that same truth of Peter, that in the midst of his circumstances, that Jesus was not only there with him and met him where he was, but that he molded him and shaped him and produced character in him, is also true of us. Earlier in the sermon, I asked you, do you remember where you were at when Columbine happened, when 9-11 happened, and the 2008 financial crisis? But I want to ask you a different question now. Do you remember how God is with you in the middle of that? Do you remember how the Lord provided when that happened? Do you remember how God got you through? Do you remember how God used the loss, the uncertainty, the crisis, the whole situation to mold you, to produce character inside of you? You see, just like God was with us then, church, I know he is with us now. Just as God provided then, I know he is going to provide now. Just as the Lord got us through, through those past crises, I know he is going to get us through this one. And just as God 
used the past crises to mold us, to shape us, to build character in us, I know that God is going to use this crisis, this situation, to mold us, to shape us, and to produce character in us. In the midst of crisis and uncertainty, we seek, we pursue comfort, but God produces character. I am so excited for the coming weeks of this series, because if you're like me, when we hear that, you ask, okay, well, how? I trust and I know that God meets me where I'm at, but how is God going to use this situation? How is God going to use the crisis and the loss and the uncertainty to produce character in me? Well, Pastor Nathan, over the next several weeks, is going to lead us through the life of Peter and show us how in Peter's life, through the uncertainty, through the loss, through the crisis, God was not only with him, not only met him where he was at, but how the Lord used that circumstance, that crisis, to produce character within Peter. Character that was going to lead Peter and help Peter in, in what God had for him in the future and all the things that Peter was going to do for the Lord. And I'm excited because what we're, we're going to find is not only is that true of Peter, but we're going to see how that is true for your life and for my life. Join us in the following weeks. Church, we've got one more song for you and then uh, we'll be done for the morning. So I'm going to pray and then we'll worship with one last song. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for this day and this time. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to get together and to meet, Lord, even though it's not in person, to meet digital, Lord. And I just pray this morning that you remind each and every single one of us, Lord God, that you meet us right where we're at. In, in the midst of our current circumstance, in the midst of our crisis, Lord, in the middle of, of feeling like we're, we're failing or, or feeling hopeless, Lord, no matter what, that you meet us there. Lord, and I thank you that not only do you meet us there, Lord God, but I pray that you remind us that through this, or through difficult situations, through crisis, through loss, through uncertainty, Lord, that you shape us and you mold us, that you produce character in us. Lord, I pray that now more than ever, we cling to you. We cling to the hope that you bring us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday.